welcome to Richards to welcome you uh, to our Easter celebration. Um, for, for many years now, people have been celebrating, living under the good of the resurrection of Jesus. And uh, uh, even, even his uh, very first disciples, the people that followed Jesus, the people that walked with him, Peter, that did the denying Jesus uh, through fear of his own uh, death, came to, uh, having seen him with their own eyes, came to believe in, in the power of the resurrection. And, uh, and they ended up uh, living their lives really on the, on the back of that testimony. Uh, it caused them uh, a lot of grief. Uh, most of Jesus' followers uh, ended up dying uh, for their testimony uh, about Jesus being uh, the one that rose from the dead. So um, for those of us that are unsure uh, about that, um, I, want, I want to reassure you that now for 2,000 years, people have been putting their hope in Jesus, the risen Lord. And uh, we celebrate that today, and uh, we're excited about it. Uh, I'm going to tell you a little bit more about why I'm excited about it in just a few minutes. But um, he, one of the reasons uh, why we testify, one of the reasons why we're confident in um, his death and his resurrection is not only did he touch lives at the time, not only did were there people that saw him and testified, even to the point of shedding their lives for that testimony. Not only that, but he's still at work. Uh, I, I think one of, the, one of the most, the strongest testimonies to the power of the risen Savior is what he's doing today, as well as what he's done. And uh, we've got another video, uh, you'll be pleased to know, uh, of, of a story of a life transformed uh, by the risen Jesus. So we're going to watch that, and then I'm going to say a few more things on, on the back of that. So uh, watch the video. Hopefully it'll work. I was born to a Lithuanian mother and a Ukrainian father. Um, I had two siblings at that time, older sister and older brother. Um, at the age of eight, um, I witnessed my brother take his own life um, that at the age of 17. It was a turning point for me because um, after that, um, I started to stutter. I, I couldn't understand what's going on with me, but I just couldn't get my words out at all. And from a confident child that was always on stage and um, center of, of attention, I just shied away from everything. Shortly after that, my mom fell into depression. Um, she was looking for answers, which she eventually found in God. Shortly after, my dad filed for divorce, and life became really hard. Uh, we lived in poverty, and things like meat, shampoo, or heating during winter months became a luxury. I became a Christian at the age of 13, and, but instead of elevated, I felt isolated and condemned. I felt like I was ashamed of God, and, and because of that, I was pretty much convinced I was going straight to hell. But at that time, I had the dream, and it was so vivid, and it was to do with God's blood um, and God's word. And that dream pretty much was a beacon of light through my, through my darkest hours. Um, eventually, I stopped going to church. Um, I, was, I was 15. I wanted to party. I wanted to go out with my friends. So um, I hate the party scene. I started drinking, smoking, going out, not coming back home. And I was very, very naive. And um, at the age of 17, um, I got raped for a second time. 
and after that all just all just became really dark um, I fell into this into depression my anxiety just crept up and it would all it was all kind of spiraling down so for being at the top of my class um, I dropped out of school altogether and I missed the whole year um, I did manage to finish school and then uh, and then go and and study further but um, um, I became a very private person and I just bottled all inside me. I was looking for uh, for a purpose in life but um, everything I did seemed to be seemed to have no meaning and no point at all and all seemed just really vain. Um, after a short while I just I just became I just became resentful of everything I did or everything I became. I didn't know who I was and I thought it was time for a change. So um, at the age of 22, I, I packed my bags and um, uh, I traveled to UK. First couple of years were really tough. Um, I felt like I had no identity. Um, I really wanted to belong. Um, I hit the party scene again and um, I partied a lot. The worst bit that um, I had no relationship with God so I still felt really, really lost and, and just ridden with fear. Uh, but my mom, she always prayed for me and I knew she was and I think that's what her prayers kept me going. And because I craved stability and, and, and belonging, I just settled at the first given opportunity. And um, three years later my daughter was born and she became my life. My life just evolved around her and um, I didn't want anything else, nor knew anything else. After seven years, my relationship broke down and um, I hit the new low. Um, and I think that's when God started calling me again. Um, but I just remember these, uh, these nights of, of, of total fear and of a complete unknown. And I would pray, I would pray the prayer um, over and over again, just in case, you know, God uh, didn't find me sincere enough the time before. And I was, I was having visions of me literally going straight to hell. And I would pray to God, just give me one more day to, you know, to repent and make it better. When I came to Hope Church, I was jobless. I had no home. Me and daughter lived at B&B. I was ridden with fear. My anxiety was um, really, really high and I had chronic loneliness. It's been a year now and um, I have a job, um, I have a home, I'm free of my addictions, I don't feel lonely anymore. I am settled, um, God has, has freed me of my addictions, my anxiety, my loneliness. Um, I honestly can say I don't feel lonely anymore, even when I'm on my own. Um, but the greatest thing he has showed me his love the God I knew before um, he rewarded perfection and he punished the sin so anything bad that happened in my life I thought it was a punishment for something I done wrong and now I know that God has mercy and shown me so much he has, he has done a lot of miracles in my life and I have a lot of witnesses to say that it's actually true. Um, yeah, I couldn't be happier.
It's just a wonderful, isn't it? Wonderful testimony of God at work, of Jesus at work. And uh, he's, he's at work in Loretta's life. He's in work in our lives. Uh, I'm just going to pray um, for us uh, that he would be touching our lives. And, and I know that there, a video like that um, is quite an emotional video, and it may spark all sorts of emotions and feelings. I just want to pray for us right now that we experience something of his love amongst us as we continue together. Yeah, Lord Jesus, thank you for all that you've done for us. Thank you that you are not just historical. God, that you are not just about what you've done 2,000 years ago, God. You're very much alive, very much at work in our lives. Thank you for our own testimony of the way that you've set us free, the way you've changed us, the way you're still working in our lives to make us better people. I just pray for each one of us, God, that we would experience today not just a celebration, although we love it, but we would experience the reality of a living God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So what I... What I fancy doing today um, is, uh, Richard asked me to do a talk on Easter and baptisms. Uh, really, I thought, why don't I do a talk based, really, with the heading, what's all the fuss about? And, and uh, we do, as Christians, make a lot of fuss about what we believe, don't we? Who likes making a bit of a fuss about what you believe? Two. Three? Uh, uh, we do. We get excited. We are excited about it. Uh, for those of us that follow Jesus, uh, it's everything. Our decisions are based around it. Our, every, everything that we are, everything that we do is all based around our faith. And, and uh, uh, before I was a Christian, I didn't, I didn't really get that. I had a friend at school who was a believer. Uh, and he would occasionally talk to me when he plucked up enough courage uh, about his faith. And, and I thought it was a joke uh, first of all, but I just didn't get it. I just didn't get what the fuss was about. And uh, I, I then, after school, I stumbled into a Christian meeting, mainly because there was a girl I quite liked uh, there. And, uh, and I heard a message that changed everything. Every, everything about my outlook on life changed in that one moment. And I've never looked back since. That's 28 years ago now. Um, and uh, and the, there's three things, really, that, that I think were in that message that I first heard, uh, but also uh, I think are, for me, why I'm excited about God. These are the things that, that uh, I love about God. And, and I've got a picture for each one. And is, is there a... Have we got the first slide, Dan? Um, it's a well-known picture. Do we know what it's... Do you know what it's about? Do you know the title of the image? Anyone recognize it? Who's that? Yeah, prodigal son. Um, and, and, and I would say, if you're going to know one story, we'll tell your friends who don't understand about Christianity, if you're going to tell them one story, tell them this story. Uh, it's just a phenomenal story. I personally think it should be called something else. Because uh, the hero in the book is the dad, isn't he? It should be called, I don't know, the good dad. Uh, I don't know, the godfather. I don't know, but maybe that, that, could, get, that, that could get misunderstood. Uh, 
But it's about this watching dad, isn't it? It's about this dad uh, that has these two sons, uh, one that's loyal but a bit cheesed off about it, uh, and one that's thinking, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to go and party, I want to live, I want my inheritance now. So he, uh, he speaks to his dad and, and he says, right, you know, give me my inheritance. Dad, with some uh, upset, I'm sure, uh, gives him the inheritance. And off he goes, lives his life, parties, uh, and does all that uh, stuff. And he lives an independent life away from his dad and thinks, I can manage on my own. Uh, until, of course, uh, the inheritance runs out, uh, things got, uh, got sour, the, the economy changed where he, was, where he was living, and suddenly he finds himself uh, as a Jewish boy living amongst pigs, feeding pigs, and looking at the food that he's feeding the pigs, thinking it looks tasty. He was that hungry. And uh, so that's a, that's a low for a Jewish lad uh, to, be, to be feeding pigs. And, and uh, so he, he, he plucks up his courage and he, he goes back and he thinks, do you know what? My dad's servants eat better than this. He was thinking about his stomach mainly. My dad's servants eat better than this. I'm going to let me go back. And uh, so he trots off and he gets back. And all the way back, he's rehearsing his line. You know, Father, I've sinned against you. I've sinned against God. Uh, and uh, I'm not even worthy to be called your servant. So he's rehearsing the lines. And uh, even as he gets close to the house, he's still rehearsing the lines. But his dad, the Godfather, uh, sees him from a distance. And, uh, and, he, and he, he, he sees his son and he thinks, is it, can it possibly be? And his heart's filled with joy, his heart's filled with love and compassion for his boy. And he runs, runs to meet his boy, wraps his arms around him and just loves him. And uh, the the speech went out of the window. Uh, There was no way that God, the father, was going to have his boy back as a servant. Now, you're my son. I'm having you back as my son. And and, uh, and I, I I think that's just one of the... Best stories in the Bible. Can I say that? Am I allowed to say that? Uh, if you're going to have one, pick that one to tell your friends about. Because uh, it's beautiful. And it's about the love of a father. And uh, I, I've chatted to many people now over many years about Jesus and about God. I, I, I've, I'm one of those guys that quite likes talking to strangers on the streets uh, about Jesus. And uh, so I've done that on many occasions. And I've talked to many people. And and the reality is, almost everybody, probably at least 80, 90% of the people that I've chatted to that don't normally go to church about faith will, will, will say, I believe there's something. Won't they? Your friends, most of them, there will be the odd, very committed atheist. Quick story. I meant to pray for a lady. I was chatted to a, a lady on the streets once uh, who I said, can I tell you about Jesus? And she, she hurled this abuse at me um, and said, no, I'm an atheist and all of that stuff. And uh, so there are some very committed atheists. And I asked her, I said, tell me about your atheism uh, so I can understand it. And she told me, and she was pretty committed to atheism. Uh, but I said, um, you know, I'm not though. So it's okay. I do believe in Jesus. And I see that you've got a back problem because uh, she was like this, bent over. Uh, so I said, do you mind um, if I pray for you? You don't have to believe because I do. And she said, well, all right then. Eyeballed me all the way. And uh, so I held her hand and I said, in Jesus' name, we're asking for you to heal this back and pain. And, and, and uh, immediately she straightened her back for the first time in many years. And uh, she looked at me, tears running down her eyes saying, 
I think I may need to review my atheism. Uh, and, uh, and that's the love of God. That's, I don't know why I said that. That was off the script. Um, uh, but but there are, most of the people on the planet that we, that we meet believe there's something. They believe there is a creator or a force, a power at work. And, and I, the reality is that God does not, is not happy, is not content with us to see him in that way. He does not want us to see him as this force, this creator. The, the primary way that he's chosen to reveal himself to us as, as a dad. And, and I, I can tell you, that is what gets me out of bed in the morning. I can tell you that is what excites me about following Jesus, that God did not want to relate to me as creator-created, although he is, and I am. He did not want to relate to me as servant, although I am his servant, I love him. He wants to relate to me as dad, as father. Jesus said, how should, you know, said, how should we pray? Jesus said, this is how you should pray, our father in heaven. And, uh, and I, I don't know about you, but for me, when I first heard that message, um, I didn't really realize the full implications of that. Um, I, I hadn't, uh, my, my dad was an alcoholic, uh, left when I was very young. Um, and uh, violence tried to kill me uh, on more than one occasion. And uh, so, so the, the, the whole kind of dad um, thing didn't really, I didn't understand it. I liked the sound of it, but I didn't really understand it. And, uh, and, and over these last 28 years, I've come to realize that that is the most precious thing that he could be for me and for you, uh, that he's our father. And that, and that he loves us. And it changes everything. When God, the creator, is your dad, it changes everything. You see, right from the beginning of time, God, God's plan for us was fellowship, was family, was relationship. Even when Adam and Eve turned their back on God, right even in that moment in the scripture, it talks about a plan. It talks, it talk, you know, it talks about Satan being crushed by someone born of a woman. God, God had already, the cogs were turning for the rescue plan so that humanity could be back in relationship with him as dad. And uh, that is the first thing that excites me uh, about following Jesus. And, and uh, I, you know, as I said, when I first became a Christian, that wasn't easy. Uh, to, to, the reality is I probably spent some two years going to church, sitting at the back and just feeling emotional. I didn't really speak to anyone, didn't want anyone to speak to me, uh, but just sat there and was emotional uh, because it was, a, it was a new experience for me. Um, but he's my dad, and he loves me, and he's your dad, and he loves you. And, and if you don't know him in that way, you can before today's finished, uh, which is really exciting. Um, second point, uh, I've called it a kiss of Christ. And uh, we talk about this this time of the year, the passion. Mel Gibson made a film about it. Uh, and uh, just this amazing uh, story. We've got another image for that. Um, so I love that, and I saw that on, on Google. Um, it sort of, it says it without showing you. The, the problem is the, the images now are really, I mean, the, the cross was brutal, wasn't it? 
and you search them, because Mal Gibson made a film about it, they're all those images. And they're, I don't like showing them because it's, it's upsetting, right? Brutal, whereas this sort of hints towards it. And uh, I, I, I love um, that Jesus uh, was, he came. You see, God, we know we believe in a, a one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus came uh, from heaven and became a baby in this humble stable and grew up. Uh, and he was born to die. And, and, and before, not long before he died, he had a meal. They celebrated the Passover meal. And, uh, and it's this, this wonderful occasion. And in, in, in John's gospel, he says that Jesus wanted, was going to show them the full extent of his love. I, I, I read that and I, thought, I love that, um, that expression, that Jesus wants to show us the full extent of his love. There's that cheesy uh, thing, isn't it, that people do. You know, how much does Jesus love you? This much. It's a bit cheesy, but really powerful too, right? That Jesus uh, showed us the amazing extent of his love. And, and what was he talking about when he said that? Do, do you know what I mean? Because after, after that time, during the Passover, he, he took his cloak off and washed his disciples' feet. That was intimate. You know, anyone like their feet being washed? No? Surely there's somebody that might, you know. I won't do it then. Oh, yeah, all right, Pat, we'll, we'll, I'll see you later. Um, <laughs> you know, but, but, he, but Jesus did that. He washed, he washed his disciples' feet, and, and they would have been grubby, and, 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 and you know, it was, it was a humble thing to do. Even in the culture, to, for, for people to see the bottoms of your feet is a massive deal. And Jesus just said, no, I'm showing you my love because I'm here to serve you. Was it about that? Well, clearly we know it wasn't just about that. But his disciples might have been thinking, man, he's really showing us his love here. Jesus had other things in mind. Was um, Was it about the moment that he knew was to come when he went from there, he went to pray? He went into a garden called Gethsemane and he asked his followers to stay and wait. Can you keep watch? Stay awake. And it, it's this, this one moment, I think, in, in the Gospels when we see the, the, the humanity of Christ. When he said, please stay awake for me. Bottom line is he needed, he needed his mates. He needed his friends. And even then they couldn't stay awake. They fell asleep. But Jesus went, went in and he prayed. And, and the gist of the prayer, it says he was in, he was in anguish, to anguish the point of sweating, and within his sweat there was even droplets of blood. I don't, I've never been in that much anguish. Uh, I've had some tricky moments, but never quite like that. Uh, and they said, if, if it's possible, let this cup pass by. And then, and then the, those amazing words, eternal significant words, not my will, but yours be done. Uh, was that what he was getting at when he said, I want to show you the full extent of my love. Was it, Jesus would have known, Jesus would have seen crucifixion wasn't, uh, it's funny how Christians, we like to wear crosses and different things. Uh, the reality is many, many people were crucified. Uh, many people. I think, I think um, what was it? He was the, um, the terrorist, I can't remember his name. No, I'm Spartacus, that's the budget. Uh, you know, I think the day that he was crucified, I think some, something like, was it, two, was it 200 people were crucified on the same day? 
just a historic thing, lined up along a road, many, many, many people crucified. Jesus wasn't the only one crucified, but he would have been very familiar with the brutal reality of crucifixion. And he would have known that's coming when he said, yet not my will, but yours be done. So he, he would have known. I mean, you know, the Romans, they didn't invent crucifixion, but they perfected it. And somebody sat around a table thinking, how can we kill someone really slowly, really painfully? And they come up with crucifixion. And uh, Jesus went, Jesus willingly knew that was coming and said, I want to show you the full extent of my love. I think that's just phenomenal. But, but to be honest with you, it doesn't even end there because there's a whole other level of sacrifice. We know, we know that at that moment on the cross, somehow or other, because Jesus was spotless, without sin, without blame, somehow or other, all the blame and the sin and the, the rubbish that, are, that is in you and me and everybody else was put on him. It says he became sin for us. You, I don't know about you, you know, think about the worst person, the worst kind of sin that you can think of. Think about the thought life that that person might have. Don't think about it too much. And then think that actually that, that was put on Jesus, along with your sin and my sin. And sin is simply missing God's standard, which all of us have done. And uh, that, in, in that moment, when Jesus hung on the cross, he carried it. And, and that, it wasn't just that, that had implications. As he did that, you see, one of the things that, that um, we in the Western world aren't so good at understanding and realizing is that God is a God of justice. And, 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 and I hate to say this to you, because we're being all friendly and celebrating. We're just going to pause the celebration for a minute, but I want to tell you that God hates sin. Absolutely hates it with a passion. Loathes sin. Uh, it is sin that drove a wedge between man and God and women and God, mankind. It's sin that did that. Uh, and, and God hates it. And so when Jesus hung on the cross and became sin for us, all the anger and the wrath of God that he had accumulated over many years and even ahead of time accumulating the sins that were going to come were stored up. All that wrath was stored up and discharged on his son when he died on the cross. So the nails and the, and the suffocating death that is crucifixion was only part of the deal. There was, a, there was, a, there was another thing that went on on a whole other level that Jesus became sin for us and he received upon himself the anger and the wrath and the judgment of God for sin. Amazing. He kissed us. He loved us. He couldn't have, Jesus couldn't have shown us his love any stronger. You know, also, you, know you meet people, as I say, on the streets, people say, yeah, but you know, that Jesus doesn't love me because of this, this, and this. And you think, nah, you don't get it, do you? You just don't get it. He loves you in that. He understands that. He's carried your burden. And, uh, and we, now can, we can now confidently approach God because of that death. Because he's exchanged his goodness for our badness.
that we can know him and be in relationship with him. Uh, Listen to the words of this old hymn. Uh, Some of these old hymn writers, uh, you know, I mean, I I love the modern songwriting. Zark's here, modern songwriter, uh, a big, big um, pop songwriter. Anyway, (coughs) which he's excited about. Um, You know, but some of these old hymn writers, they just were so poetic in their writing and and were able to really conjure up emotion in in the song. And this is is one of my favorites. Here is love, vast as the ocean, loving kindness as the flood, when the prince of life, our ransom, shed for us his precious blood. Who is love will not remember? Who can cease to sing his praise? He can never be forgotten throughout heaven's eternal days. On the mount of crucifixion, fountains open deep and wide. Through the floodgates of God's mercy flowed a vast and gracious tide. Grace and love, listen to this, grace and love like mighty rivers poured incessant from above. And heaven's peace and perfect justice kissed a guilty world in love. What a line. That last bit, heaven's peace and perfect justice. The peace, the love, the goodness of God and his justice. In that moment, kissed the guilty world in love. And that is why I'm excited. That's what gets me out of bed in the mornings. Um, third thing is, is this. Look around. Feel free to look around. This is what's exciting me. Uh, that, that when, I, when I said yes to Jesus, and I said, yeah, I want to follow you, and I asked for forgiveness of my sin and said, I want to follow you, God put me in a family. And uh, we've got another picture for this one. There they are. Um, and uh, those, those, those guys, anyone, I don't know if you've read the books. Anyone read the books? Anyone started the books and not finished the books? Yes. Okay, more of us. Uh, who's watched the films? Yes, all right. They're easier, aren't they? Um, you know, but there you've got a group of people that actually you would never put together in a room. All right? If you understand the story, you understand the characters, you understand not only the, the different types of characters, but also the different, like, species. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You would never put them in a room. Uh, and... Um, you know, you've got men and you've got elves and you've got all, all sorts, haven't you? I don't know the story that well. Uh, but uh, what, what was, what was um, Frodo? What was... So, Hobbit. Okay, little guys, big feet. Um, but but you, you, you've got those together. Uh, and actually somehow through this quest of dealing with this ring, uh, they're joined together. And this quest has sort of joined their hearts and they, they ended up becoming bound together. They ended up becoming friends. Beyond that, they ended up actually becoming like a family. And uh, I think it's a great picture for us uh, that, that we uh, have identified ourselves and said, you know what, well, we need the grace of God. We need the love of God. We understand what it is to be loved by a father. We, knew, we know that we needed Jesus' forgiveness. And somehow he's bound us together. Uh, and, and it's more than just a club. Do you know what I mean? I mean, if you were a club, you would never have this lot together in a room. Look at you. Do you know what I mean? All different shapes and sizes, different ages, different types, different, different political views. Also, very, we're all different, aren't we? 
But somehow, through the, through the love of God and through the grace of God, we've been joined together. Not only have we been joined together, but there's a global church around the world. We were uh, meeting a friend of ours uh, that, that is, is, works in different parts of the country in, in quite difficult circumstances, um, wondering you know, about, about his life and in, in somewhat fear and wanting us to come up with a plan so that if he gets killed for his faith, uh, we can look after his family. That's the sort of life he's living. Uh, but you know what? I met him and I thought, you're my brother. Do you know what I mean? And it was just, it did, it just did me good. I remember years ago, I traveled to, to Uganda for the very first time as a 20-year-old. Um, didn't know anything about anything. Uh, and, uh, but I, I, got, I traveled the other side of the world, never been on a bus before, let alone a plane. Uh, and, I, and I reached... Uh, Uganda, and, uh, and I met people there, and straight away, they were family, and they're so precious, and uh, we're, we're caught up in that, in the global church. There's no room in God's church for disunity, folks. Let me just, can I just soapbox for a minute? Let's, let's understand each other and be gracious towards each other, even though we might think differently. Uh, you know what I mean? We have different views on different things, but we're, we're one, aren't we? And uh, not only that, but we're joined um, as a family. We have one father, uh, so we're brothers and sisters. And, uh, but also, si- similar to these guys, we've got a quest. And, and you know what? Actually, you know, I'm a bit of a doer. I'm a bit of an activist. Um, I, love that, I love that I'm called to, to a quest. And I love that I can work, work, work arm in arm with brothers and sisters on this quest. And somehow it joins me. Somehow it excites me. And, uh, and uh, you know, we've, we, we, they, they had a quest to deal with this ring. We've, we've got a quest to bring justice and care for the poor. It's a quest. We can, we can get our heads down and we can be joined in this quest. Uh, uh, we can grow together. We've got a quest to bring something of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said, you remember, Jesus said, our Father in heaven. He also said, um, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What a quest. Just think about it. The will of God on, in heaven, bringing that to earth. Oh, come on. It's an exciting quest, isn't it? Do you know I mean? We get to be part of that. We get to actually roll up our sleeves and say, I'm going to get stuck into that. So, so when, I, when I see somebody that's sick or they're needing prayer, I can say, do you know what? I don't feel like I've got faith. I'm going to have a go. I'm going to have a go. I'm going to pray for you that, 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 that the will of God in heaven, because there's no sin or sickness in heaven, the will of God in heaven can, be, can visit earth today. We're going to pray and trust that you get healed. And I've seen some glimpses of that. I want to see so much more, but I'm, I'm excited to be part of that. Um, to break chains of oppression. We, we come across them, we work with them, we know people that are oppressed by the stuff of life, shadowing in. Well, we've got, we've, we've got a quest together to break that. And all, all of it to bring glory to God. I better wrap it up. Time's going. Uh, that's what the fuss is about for me. All right? That's why, that's why I'm excited. I'm excited because I've got a dad in heaven. That made the universe. So my dad's bigger than your dad. Actually, he's the same. I'm excited by that. He's behind me. He's for me. He's championing me. I, I, was, I always get this picture of, of uh, your dad at sports day. I was a big cheat. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, but I get this picture of me doing the egg and spoon, holding it with a thumb, thinking no one's seeing. 
uh, we'll do this. <laughs> uh, you know, but, but your dad cheering on on the sidelines saying, that's my boy. And that's what God's like for us. Cheering us on, championing you, saying, that is my boy, that is my girl. I'm so pleased. Uh, you know, I'm excited that Jesus came to earth and kissed our world. And I'm excited that we're caught up in this mission together and that we're a family together. Let's pray. Father, we we thank you. Thank you so much for those truths, those pillars of truth. That you're our dad. I just want to, I want to give just a 30 seconds for us to reflect on that for a minute. If you don't know him as your dad, if you don't, if you haven't come to a place where you make a choice to follow him and to, and to start a relationship with him as a, as a father and son, I just want to invite you, you won't understand it all 28 years ago, I just said yes, I didn't understand most of it. I want to invite you in your heart to say yes.